Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It's going good. I am in your, I guess, old stomping grounds. I'm up here yes. in uh, northeast Virginia. Is that where I am? South, No, southeast. Southeast Virginia? Southeast Virginia. I don't know where I am. Um, yeah. I'm in Virginia Beach. I know that much because yes. I can look out just to my left right here and there's the ocean. And it's pretty cool. Yeah, Virginia Beach is really beautiful, and the boardwalk is um, is a lot of fun. Where we were located was halfway between Richmond and the Hampton Roads area, which is a lot of different towns that have kind of grown together, and, and Virginia Beach is, is one of them. And uh, Hampton Roads was kind of our favorite area to go. That's where we went all the time for major, you know, things. And so we spent a lot of time there. I love that place. I know yeah. you're having a great time. Yeah, it's uh, been good. We've up here for a local association event. Dr. Renner doesn't do many of those, uh, but uh, we did this one. And a good, nice. friend of the pod, good friend of the pod, Brent Hobbs, invited us. And um, so we came up and we've uh, been here for the last couple of days, headed back in the morning. And uh, it's it's been a good time. We've had some fun, met some new people and met some podcast listeners. So that's always fun. Oh, and, very uh, cool. And just, just had a good time. And, you know, I got yeah. to... Experience some of Virginia Beach, which I've never been here before, but it's a, it's a delightful place. It's a bit chilly. Um, gotta yes. admit, you know, this time of year is not quite ideal. You know, late October is not quite ideal beach time in Virginia, yeah. at least. Maybe South you know, Florida, not in Virginia. Right. So you're not there in the summer. It's actually too bad you're not there in December because in December they do this big uh, Christmas light show where you actually drive on the boardwalk. Like oh, wow. they put up these Christmas lights on the beach. They put up all these light displays and then they direct you to drive on the boardwalk and see the whole light display. And there's music. I think maybe you turn your radio to something and um, it's it's really fun. So you're you're there kind of in between the summer and the really festive time. Yeah, they, they're actually starting to install some of that. So you can kind of look out and see the, yeah. the installations for some of the uh, the Christmas lights and stuff. So it's kind of cool. But uh, it, it's just been a nice week. It's been a relaxing week up here. There's not a whole lot going on. It's it's kind of sleepy. It's it's weird to be at the beach and the beach right. be sleepy, you know, because it's so cold. There's really not a lot. There's no tourists here. It's just people that are yeah. here for business or whatever. So um, so you can get good rates on hotels on the beach. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. But it's cold. But you did, you did visit one of my favorite places, though, I understand. I did. I'm sitting right by a bag of Jody's Popcorn. Which you yes. recommended, so I it was right across from the hotel. So I walked down there this morning, or yep. actually this afternoon, and and got me a snack. So because yes. it came highly recommended from Amy Whitfield, so I yes. checked it out. I love Jody's popcorn. Um, have uh, some connection to the folks that uh, that own that place, and have been a fan of it ever since. But I, we should put a link in the show notes because you can actually order Jody's popcorn. Oh. And okay. uh, it's great Christmas gifts, all kinds of stuff. So we'll throw all that right. in there. A lots bonus of, resource lots of, flavors. of the week. Yes, bonus resource of the week. Lots of great flavors. Double cheddar is my favorite. Okay. And I like one they used to have, Choco Toffee Drizzle, but I don't know. Looking online, I'm not sure they have that one anymore. Yeah. Um, all right. But but double cheddar. So anyway, right. glad you got to well, go. Yeah, I did. Uh, I am glad I got to go too. It was good. So it's uh, if, if folks are familiar with Garrett's Popcorn in the Chicago area, it's you know, similar to that. So very similar. Yes. Yeah. 
All right. Well, before we jump into this week, do want to thank our sponsor located in Louisville, Kentucky. The Southern Baptist Theological Seminary is committed to training future pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders. You can learn more about undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral degree programs by visiting sbts.edu. All right, Amy, got some news from the Pastors Conference. We've got a theme and we've got speakers. Yep, here we go. So the theme is going to be kingdom character, uh, focusing on the Beatitudes uh, to help pastors and church members live faithfully in today's news cycle and current events. And, um, you know, Danny Wood gave a great quote. We'll put the Baptist Press story uh in the show notes, but he just comes right out and it is really clear that um, our conduct, he says, grows out of our character. And in order to be the people of God advancing the kingdom of God, we need to have kingdom character. And he, he very straightforwardly says with the number of character issues we've faced in the SBC and ministry in general, we need to be thinking about Jesus' vision for the Christian life. So uh, giving that focus right now and then a, a really good lineup of, uh, of speakers. Why don't you go through those? Yeah, leading off, uh, well, these were listed in alphabetical order. So we don't know right. when they'll preach time or which night, you know, Saturday or, I'm sorry, uh, Sunday or Monday. We don't know which which day they'll be preaching. But Dahadi Lewis, who's the uh, vice president of the North American Mission Board's Send It Network and also the lead pastor at Blueprint Church in Atlanta, uh, is one. And Ben Mandrell, lead pastor of Storyline Fellowship. He's a, It's a church plant out in northwest Denver. Many of you may remember Ben Mandrell from his time in Jackson at... Inglewood, uh, he was the pastor mm-hmm. there before he went out to Denver. Russell Moore, who is the president of the ERLC, many of you know that name. David Platt, a former entity head in the SBC now. He was uh, the immediate past president of the International Mission Board, obviously now at McLean Bible Church in the metro Washington, D.C. area. Jimmy Scroggins, who's the lead pastor at Family Church down in West Palm Beach, Florida, and that uh, Miami area. they got 11 campuses down there, so they're basically all over South Florida. Then Robert Smith, I know, Amy, one of your favorites, who is the yes. Charles T. Carter Baptist Chair of Divinity at Beeson Divinity School in Birmingham. And then Jay Wolf, uh, who has a Atlanta-based ministry called Hope Heals uh, that was spawned by his wife's near-fatal brainstem stroke at age 26. And then finally, Martin Young, who is the Senior Minister of Rising Brook Community Church in Stafford, Staffordshire, United Kingdom. Okay, so does that mean... Uh, Martin Young is he is he British? I mean, I guess I guess he is. He he's in the United Kingdom, Amy. Usually, that means you're British. Well, but it could be it could be someone. I mean, there are people from all over that That's that true. minister. So I don't know. Maybe um, he was inspired by our discussion last week about King George and the crown and all of that. That he said, you know what? I need to add a Brit. And Danny Wood said, I'm going to get Martin Young. Perhaps I'm going to guess that we have had no influence on this whatsoever, but you, you uh, underestimate us, Amy. Yes. But, but alluding to another thing you just said, um, I do have a favorite on this list. There is one that uh, now a lot of these people I have heard preach just excellent sermons and would love to hear any of them, but there is one that I'm probably going to try to make sure my schedule allows me to be in there for. And that is Robert Smith. Because I love, 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 love Robert Smith. I think he is the real deal. He is known for uh, just being an 
an incredible, unbelievable preacher. He used to be on faculty at Southern Seminary years ago, um, but is a genuine man of just true character. And I admire him so much. I got to actually really meet him and talk to him in person at the Gospel Coalition a, a few years ago. Uh, so I'm going to try to make sure I'm in there for that one. I hope I can be. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I know many of our listeners are as well. Uh, like we said, we don't have the exact times that these will be speaking or the breakdowns of which session they'll be in. But folks, you know the drill. It's going to be Sunday night, Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Monday night. So that's right. That should be no surprise to anybody. Um, but a solid list of names this year. I actually know everybody but two of them. So uh, Jay Wolf and Martin Young, the only two uh, that were kind of you know unfamiliar to me. When I first saw Jay Wolf, I thought that uh, that was the guy down in First Baptist Montgomery. But different Jay Wolf. I guess there's more than one. Yeah. I'm familiar with Catherine Wolf's story. Oh, okay. I have maybe seen, there have been some videos of them. So I am familiar with their ministry, but I've not heard him preach before. So I think it'll be really good. Well, you're about to. So uh, yes. that'll be coming soon. All right. Um, speaking of Birmingham, on last uh, week's show, we talked about some of the hotel issues. We talked about the, the shuttle uh, that they said yes. that they're bringing back this year. Bill Towns wrote an article over at SPC Voices over the weekend. And they posted that explaining a lot of what you heard here on the podcast. And Amy, I was glad to note that everything we said on the podcast last week was confirmed in this article. We got our well, that, details yeah. correct. Woo. Yeah, it's it's always a little bit, particularly when we're talking about specifics, it's always a little bit uh, nerve-wracking to think, I hope we got that right and we didn't just tell a whole bunch of people the wrong thing. But yeah, the things that that uh, you explained last week were confirmed and also some more details kind of coming to the surface. And I, I thought, um, which I have a lot of respect for Bill Towns, I just really appreciate the work he does and, and his team. Um, but I thought that the explanation was very, very good and, and helpful um, and encouraging. I, I liked where he talked about how the Sheraton, and th this really struck me. I had been thinking so much about how this was affecting all of us, but he talked about how the Sheraton, which uh, that is kind of where this all began, uh, was having to have now difficult conversations with a lot of other people um, who weren't necessarily people um, that have been changed by the gospel. And so they were having to have very difficult conversations with them. And I realized, okay, this is a moment for us, even in the midst of great inconvenience to show grace to some people as they are under a lot of stress. Uh, and it kind of helped me to change my attitude uh, about, about the whole thing. So I think, I think his explanation was really, really helpful and good. I think everybody needs to read that if they can. Yes, go read that. Check out last week's episode that we talked about it as well. So, um, you know, come to Birmingham, figure out a way, find a place to stay, and we'll see you yeah. in June. I mean, that's pretty much yeah. all you need to know, right? Figure it right. out. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and we... Okay, there's a little and, more and to we'll, it than that, but yeah. There's a little more to it, but this is going to be one of those things that because the the rooms in the immediate radius are not, there aren't an, that many and there aren't enough um, for no matter who. I mean, I know there was a lot of concern about thinking, oh, it's all entity employees and they've left all of that, but that's not the case. And, and his, his post kind of explains all of that. Um, 
all of us, and when we're even looking from from where we are, you know, I think I think our team that comes is going to be spread out in several different spots, and some places, you know, far, farther than others. Uh, all of us, I think, are going to have to work a little bit harder to get where we need to be uh, so we can go and do that with a smile. This is not a reason to not come. Uh, decisions are made by those who show up. And so we just show up and ride a shuttle, show up and, and uh, catch an Uber, show up and get a little bit early, Get a, show up and wake up a little earlier in the morning so that we can get there and, and make this an opportunity for us to uh, leave an impression on a city that we, uh, that we showed the grace of Christ. Exactly. So we'll see you folks in Birmingham, hopefully. Yes. So speaking of Birmingham, you know who will be presiding in Birmingham? J.D. Greer. Yes. And he launched a podcast this week. It's called Ask Me Anything, Honest Answers, Quick Questions. Uh, launched three episodes, took to number one on the Christian podcast charts yeah. in Apple iTunes, uh, which was pretty cool. That's uh, pretty awesome. He and shot right up. He shot right up. I mean, this is kind of a big deal with our podcast. Yeah. His I mean, office it was like smells he, of rich mahogany. Yeah. He announced he had a podcast and immediately it's number one. I mean, it was, it, it was pretty, pretty incredible. But, uh, I've, have you listened to it? I've listened to some I of it. I have not had a chance to. I've got them downloaded and yeah. have not had a chance to because I'm traveling. I'll probably get a chance to listen to them tomorrow on the plane. So that's just, yeah. I've just had a lot going on this week and just have not gotten around to it. But there's one topic that I do want to talk about, Amy. Should yes. Christians celebrate Halloween? Because that's next week. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, because the way the 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 setup of this is, people can submit questions, and then he will answer them in these quick, honest questions, quick answers is how they're uh, casting it. So there'll be a very quick, short uh, episode to just address. And one of them was: Should Christians celebrate Halloween? Um, which is really well timed and is a huge question uh, every year. I think we we deal with it every year um, at Southeastern because there was a blog post about this by George Robinson years and years ago, and every year we see a big spike in page views on that um, because uh, it's a, it's a post about the evangelistic opportunity of Halloween. Uh, but that is a that is a topic of conversation that pops up every year, isn't it? And it's also something that we talked about this week. We we threw it out on Twitter. Got a little heat back for this. But we're we're we were gonna have a costume contest for you at your fall festival, Halloween, whatever you call it. It it you know, yes. fall carnival, trunk or treat, whatever you may have, whatever you may be dressing up for, whatever the occasion. And the best Southern Baptist costume, we're gonna send you a fifty dollar gift card from Lifeway, uh not sponsored by Lifeway. Uh, we, we're going to buy the card and send it to you. Okay. So, yes, um, it's our, just it's to be clear. Prize, yes. So those of you who have yes. called and tweeted us just to be clear. Um, yeah, but I had some really fascinating responses to this on Twitter, like with people suggesting costumes. And we, we already said that Lottie and Annie are out. You can't go as Lottie or Nanny because right. that's too easy. Yeah. So just, that's too easy. Somebody, so are you going to say what they are? Yes, I was. Uh, one, okay. one person suggested going as the cooperative program. I'm not quite sure how that's going to work. If you can figure you that costume like out. You could make like a bar, like a pie graph somehow. I, I guess. Like a pie chart. Well, it, but it depends on what state you're in as, as to like what your graph looks like. So What about you, know. you like an offering plate or an oh, offering like bucket? You could like do that. that. Um, somebody suggested the 1040 window. 
Okay, I don't... Would you wear a map around your neck? I don't know. I don't know. Or you could just wear a window frame with like 1040 on it. And yeah. I think if somebody could pull the 1040 window off, that would be like an automatic win right there. Yeah, it could be. I mean, you could... You you could do it both ways. You could do a map that kind of shows, or you could just take the words and you put, have a window as a costume with you know, ten forty on it. Anything else? Uh, no, I don't remember what the other ones were. But uh, oh, yeah. um, one one person did suggest coming as um, who was the uh, the founder at Southwestern? The one with the mysterious cigar. Scarborough. And the finger. Scarborough. I don't think it was Scarborough. Who's the other one? The one with the beard. Uh, I know what you're talking about. This the legend of the cigar about whether exactly. it was painted over or not. Yes, and they were going to put the cigar in their hand. So, okay, we've got to figure this out while we are talking. Bh Carroll. Somebody's Carol. yelling at the the radio that right you, now. You do realize that? Yeah, I know. They're like Bh Carroll, Bh Carroll. You yeah. just that was really yeah. quick yeah. for you to throw at me, and I couldn't yeah. remember. So I couldn't Bh either. Carroll. Scarborough was in my head, just like yours. I had Scarborough right, in my head. Because of the college. But, the, yeah. but I knew it wasn't it wasn't right. Um or like James P. Boyce or John Broadus. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see, I mean, an EY Mullins. Somebody could go as toy and be like Lottie Moon dumped me. Or you know. Yeah. They 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 could indeed. But now let's think for the for the win if you can't be Lottie or Annie, I mean you'd have to go pretty obscure. At that point, yeah, for the for the females, yeah, for the, for women. So but you got all uh, the. I mean, you like Georgia Barnett, Mallory, um, right? <gasps> Bertha Smith, of, Bertha Smith, Bertha Smith. Yeah, um, there. I mean, there's a bunch. All these all these offerings in the South are named after women anyway. So you can just pick whichever one yours is. Right, but so, anyway, or you could go as contemporary fun. people. Mary could go as you. I could give her a gavel. Yeah, she's like your twin, so it would. It'd be like obvious. Yeah, I don't think she wants to do that, but that's a great suggestion. Going as your mom um, a, a, is not a yeah, something a teenage think, girl I would want to do. I think we're in a season where that's not going to work. Um, <laughs> so, if you have an idea for a Southern Baptist themed costume, uh, send it to us. Yes, do that. And um, if if you send it to us, like we said, we'll send you a, a gift card, fifty dollar gift card to Lifeway to the best one who tweets that to us on, uh, you know, this week during the fall festival slash Halloween slash carnival slash whatever you want to call it, Reformation Day week season. Yes. There you yes. go. Trying to cover all my bases there. Also, um, I, I'm in a new house, so I have no idea what our neighborhood does. So that'll be yeah, uh, we, fascinating. That's that's what we learned when we moved here, that we did the same thing where Keith stayed home to greet trick-or-treaters, and I took the kids out, and no one showed up. Because they all go to this street and a few other neighborhoods that are all really walkable. And so it was really funny because I called home and we had all this candy and Keith said, nobody's come. And I said, well, you don't live in a very densely populated area either. I've been to your house. Right, Um, right. I live like back in the woods. Well, and when I was growing up, we were, I grew up in a very rural area and the way that people trick or treated there was your parents drove you everywhere. Yeah. So it wasn't a community experience at all because you, you couldn't walk from house to house. Um, so we just were prepared, but nobody came. And so now we do not do anything for people to come to our house. We just go out for the night, the whole family. So very cool. Well, looking forward to the scene, the costumes and, uh, 
it should be fun to see if, if somebody gets creative and, and really gets a good one. So we'll see. Yeah. All right, Amy. Tis the season for state, state conventions. conventions. That's right. In California, where uh, we saw the... Uh, I, I got a kick out of the the tweet the other day from SPC Explainer, who is not Amy nor I, uh, but SPC Explainer is tweeting about the hashtag, uh, which was like 30 characters. It was pretty funny after all the discussion that right. we had about hashtags this summer at the annual meeting. But uh, anyway, the annual meeting for the California State Convention was held, and they had uh, an election, obviously. And Sean Beatty, pastor of the host church, was elected the California State Baptist Convention president, that host church was Clovis Hills Community Church. And uh, they also uh, elected Josh Sanchez, the youth minister at First Southern Baptist Church in Anaheim, as vice president. So a youth minister being elected as a vice That's president. Cool. I like that. I like that. They recommended that Laura Craig, minister of music at Stonebrook Church in Vista, California, would be the music director next year. So uh, they also passed a... $10.9 million budget, which includes $6.6 million from CP receipts, which is down from the budgeted $6.7 million uh, for 2018. And uh, that means 35% will go on. That is unchanged. Uh, $2.3 million and change will go on to the National Cooperative Program. Yep. So it looks like they had a great meeting and staying west, uh, Nevada had their meeting as well. The, and it was their 40th anniversary. So their theme was legacy. Um, they organized in 1978. And uh, they have uh, 215 churches and plants now. They began with 65. So that's pretty cool. It's a lot to, um, a lot to celebrate. And their records indicated that over 52,000 people have been baptized during the last 40 years. So I know it was an exciting time uh, for them to reflect. Uh, they passed a budget of uh, 2248220 It passed unanimously. Um, and that included uh, $1,176,000 in cooperative program giving by Nevada churches. They allocated 50% of CP income uh, to go on to Southern Baptist Global Mission Causes. Uh, that was the fourth year at 50%. Um, and it will be up. It's, uh, it's going, it's, it's up a projected 21,214 from last year. So, um, that's pretty cool. Damien Cerencioni, uh, was elected as president unanimously and he's an executive pastor. So we had a student pastor, um, as a vice president in uh, California, an executive pastor, uh, president in Nevada, and then uh, Tim Royal, pastor of the Bridge Church in Spring Creek, uh, is vice president. And uh, Serencioni is uh, at Shadow Hills Church in Las Vegas. So uh, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I like that. Uh, we got other people than pastors getting involved in convention well, leadership. Well, then senior like pastors, that. then lead pastors. Yes, like Pete, yes, Pete, yeah. Because an executive pastor is a pastor. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I like that. It's it's neat to see that. We you know, it's a convention of churches and laymen and not just senior pastors. So right. uh it's it's cool to see. All right, moving west to east, we find ourselves in Kansas, Nebraska, uh State Baptist Convention, and they held theirs uh their annual meeting a couple of weeks ago and they uh, discussed the 91 counties that do not have a gospel witness. So they don't have an evangelical witness 
or a Southern Baptist church in 31 counties in Kansas and 60 in Nebraska. Uh, there's not many churches in Kansas, Nebraska, so uh, they're spread out, very rural area as well. So not surprising that they would have this many, but uh, it's just amazing that uh, that there are still 91 counties without a Southern Baptist or evangelical presence in the state. So they have committed to trying to plant churches and make you know headway in those areas, those 91 counties in the two states, uh, and get gospel witness into those. They approved a budget of $4.7 million and change, uh, 7.6% increase over the 2008 budget. So a pretty big jump there. And they are going to be giving 29% on uh, to the national uh, cooperative program that is unchanged from before. That's uh, around $2.9 million uh, that they receive from cooperative programs. So 29% of that rolls on to the national level. Uh, Derek Lynch, pastor of Blue Valley Baptist Church in Overland Park, Kansas, was elected as president. Vice President Voight Lynn, who's the pastor at First Baptist Douglas, Recording Secretary Brian Jones, pastor of Tyler Road Southern Baptist in Wichita, Assistant Recording Secretary Susan Peterson, member of Prairie Hills Baptist in Augusta, and historian Tony Mattia, pastor of Trinity Baptist in Wamego. Uh, historian, Amy, we've got to get the I Southern Baptist in North Carolina to add a historian position so you can run for that. I know you're on the historical no, committee. Yeah, the the historical committee, I think, holds that role. So Yeah, but I want an official elected role. You know. So Well, I guess I am because they they voted for me in the slate of nominations. Okay, last that's fair. Year. That's fair. So it's a whole it takes a whole committee to okay. study the history of North Carolina. Oh yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah. So, all right. All right. Well that's it with Kansas Amy. Final one this week is over in Indiana. Yeah, and we had gotten some updates on this uh, in real time when it was yeah. happening, which, by the way, we love that when people send us what's going on. Yep, we got um, some from Missouri this week. We were right. tweeting about that. Uh, so, yeah, so we, we still are going to share the stories when they post just so people can see the whole update. Um, but sometimes it takes a few weeks for uh, for the staff to get back and, and get the story together and, yeah. and recover from the meeting itself before they send well, it on. Well, sometimes they hold it uh, for the release in their state newspaper or news journal, right. whatever it may be. Right. So it it's held on purpose because it doesn't release until it releases in their their paper. Yes. So one of their big themes, uh, and this was what was sent to us as well, is the 60th anniversary of uh, the State Convention of Baptists in Indiana. Uh, so Steve McNeil, uh, executive director, who uh, you you know has been a, yeah, a Lifeway trustee, trustee at Lifeway. Yeah. Uh, so he is quoted in the story that it had a the meeting had a great spirit, uh, lots of great things going on. Um, they uh, elected Bobby Pell, pastor of Northwoods Church in Evansville, as the president. Randy Forsyth, pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Portage, as first vice president. Josh Gepfrich, say it quickly and move on, Baptist. Amy. I'm so sorry, Josh, if I messed that up. Uh, pastor of Warsaw Baptist Church in Warsaw as the second vice president, and Sarah Burke, a member of Grace Baptist Church in Evansville, was secretary. Now, one thing that uh, really kind of stands out in this story um, that's a little bit different than some movement we've seen over the last few years, and this was in all the information that was sent to us as, as it was happening as well, they approved a budget of 3879000 uh, that's a 3.15 uh, 
5% decrease uh, from the 2018 budget. And that includes a decrease uh, in the amount forwarded to the SBC. So they have been sending 40%. Um, and they are decreasing that to 35%. Uh, so one thing that we've seen over the last few years has been um, increases in the amount that states send on. Um, some are very small, you know, incremental. Some have been very fast. Uh, this year, we saw um, Alaska had, you know, had to make the decision as they made some uh, budget tightening uh, choices they had to kind of back that off, uh, and we're seeing this in Indiana as well. Uh, not There's not a lot of discussion in the story about uh, the reason for that, uh, but they did go down uh, to 35% forwarding on to the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah. All right. And in North Carolina, something that will impact the upcoming North Carolina State Baptist Convention, John Mark Harrison, who's a good friend of the pod, will be moving to First Baptist Concord in Knoxville, Tennessee. John Mark had been mentioned and, you know, announced as a nomination uh, candidate for president of the state convention. Right. And right. obviously with him moving out of state to Knoxville, Tennessee, he will not yes. be right. nominated anymore. Um, so Steve Scoggins, it appears, will be nominated as the uh, president or for the presidency of the State Baptist Convention of North Carolina. Steve, as many of you maybe remember from uh, earlier this year, uh, in discussions of First Baptist Hendersonville in North Carolina. He's the pastor there. Yes, he's the, he's the pastor there. So Michael Barrett, who had intended to nominate John Mark Harrison, is now going to nominate Steve Scoggins. Um, so we have the story from the Biblical Recorder that just kind of lays out uh, that change um, in uh, the the nomination plans for John Mark Harrison, but then also lays out uh, some reasons that Steve Scoggins want uh, that Steve Scoggins agreed to be nominated, uh, visions he has for uh, the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina. So definitely a, a change in the expectation. But we'll be getting together in a couple of weeks. Um, we will be there. Uh, I'll try to send some uh, things for you to live. To tweet uh, from our account, Jonathan, and I'll, I'll put some stuff out of my account. Uh, so it should be a great uh, few days, but a di different expectation for uh, the presidency. Yes, it will be. So uh, probably be some people show up thinking they're voting for John Mark and be like, what? What happened? They're so, not. There, there's always some of that. All right. Final story, Amy, out of D.C. The Museum of the Bible announced uh, this week that they've got fake Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, the pieces that they thought were fragments of the Dead Sea Scrolls, they had five pieces of papyri. They are not part of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And uh, there's been a lot of discussion about the Dead Sea Scrolls in the Southern Baptist Convention because Southwestern also has um, right. fragments uh, similar and, you know, not forged that we know because we don't know about the authenticity. They haven't been tested like the ones at the Museum of the Bible. Right. They've gone through some things to sort of figure this out, yes. uh, have some, uh, have archaeologists look at it, things like that. So that's what we know. But as you said, the Dead Sea Scrolls have been uh, discussed in the SBC uh, for a few years now yes. because of this. So Daniel Warner, who's the biblical archaeology professor at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, 
he is quoted in here. He's talking about that these fragments, the ones at the Museum of the Bible, were suspect for some time. If you're going to be the buyer of fragments, you should have them authenticated. I'm not sure of the process they went through to have them authenticated. Apparently, they got duped. So that was a quote from uh, Dr. Warner about this, mm-hmm. uh, these fragments. So I emailed Dr. Warner because I was like, hey, there's some Southern Baptist Dead Sea Scroll fragments. Wasn't anything in the story about that. So I emailed Dr. Warner and asked him, how does this go? You know, what is the authentication process? So he was kind enough to write us back and gave us some information. So uh, I'm going to summarize some of this because there is a lot of stuff. But he said, right. one of the big things is who's selling it? That's that's the big thing is who are you getting the pieces from? Are they a reputable buyer? Are they just somebody who just and all of a sudden has this freshly looted object, as he called it? Um, so, you know, there's some exceptions, but all the time you really want to know who the people are. And and he said most of the people in the field know the buyers and the sellers. They know the people that are moving these items and have and are able to acquire them, different things like that. So a lot of people in the field know the people. He said, so one of the things you really need to, if as a buyer, to know is the provenience of the artifact, basically where it came from, you know, the the basically the history of who had it when and where is it from and how the person that you're buying it from, how did they come in um, to possession of it? And then what they do is they take dust fragments, Amy, from these, and they can match the dust fragments from particles, like these microscopic particles. They can match them to places around the world. So That's if you have a piece of papyrus and you say it's from Egypt, guess where the dust on that thing, the molecular particles on that thing should be from? Egypt. Egypt. All right. You said yeah. also if it's, if it's um, like uh, pottery or clay type things, they can take pieces, you know, particles of the clay of the pottery and match it to clay and other artifacts that they know are authenticated from that region. So if you say you have Mesopotamian clay, but it comes back as Ethiopian clay, you've got a fraud. So, you know, it's just fascinating. He was talking about this. Just a whole process. Yeah. And then, and then whenever we were talking about Dead Sea Scrolls, it's got, you know, Hebrew writing on it. So the characters, apparently the characters changed and like, different types and different styles of how the characters were written based on when it was written. And he was talking in here about, uh, he said, uh, if you want to say, you know, a character that is from the eighth century and you say it's from the third century, but they weren't even using that character in the third century. It's a fake because that character type wasn't, um, done until like the eighth century or something like that. So it's just a fascinating thing. He said, usually you can, um, the inscriptions, can usually be dated within 30 to 50 years of wow like they'll know within 30 to 50 years of when it was done so which is fascinating so, to me yeah so it's multi-layered oh so yeah it, oh there's he, totally he had a great he, i yeah, didn't know about the molecular particles right and so he had a great sentence he said if you're forging an inscription you better make sure to make the object look old have the right dust particles from the country you say it's from if it's ceramic make sure the clay is from the country you say it is and don't inscribe an 8th century letter in hebrew if you claim it's from the 9th century so it's a it's a lot of a lot of layers that make uh forgery difficult to pull off um if if you have experts that really can examine it 
Um, but it also makes it really easy because you got to check off a lot of boxes um, and and they need to be examined uh, very well. So, uh, but hats off to the folks at the Museum of the Bible because when you get news like this, that's really tough, I know, to, to hear. Um, but they were just very honest about it and said, we're pulling these off the floor and uh, here's what happened. So that's that's a good thing. Yeah. So we did ask him about the Southwestern Scrolls, but... Right. Being the fact that he's at New Orleans and at Southwestern, doesn't really know the process uh, from Southwestern. So, But we do appreciate him giving us the information on how this is authenticated. I had no idea about the molecular yeah. dust particles. Very That's helpful. crazy. Yeah. Very, very helpful and cool. Thank you, Dr. Warner. That's going to do it for our news this week here on SBC This Week. On to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. So I'm going to go to one in um, 1999, uh, which is is one that I remember. A really, really uh, sad week. Uh, in 1999, on October 25th, which is the day that we're actually recording this, uh, is when Payne Stewart... Um, was oh. killed with five other people in um, a plane crash. It was a small jet, and uh, he was a um, a golfer on the PGA Tour. At that time, he was ranked eighth in the world. Um, if uh, it, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will remember, some may not, uh, just depending on how old you were and if you if you followed golf a whole lot. But he was really well known. He had just won uh, the U.S. Open. On Father's Day, beat Phil Mickelson. Uh, on the, yeah, putt. on the last hole, on the last hole, uh, longest putt ever to decide the event. You know, in its history up until that time, it was a 15 foot. Um, he had also been on the Ryder Cup team uh, that had had a huge comeback in September. There was a story I remember uh, hearing that. You know, Phil Mickelson had never won a major at that point, so here he was at the end. Um, but his wife was getting ready to have, I think, their first child. And I believe I remember it being told that as soon as uh, Payne Stewart hits that putt, and of course Phil Mickelson is dealing with the fact that he's, you know, come this close again, uh, that Payne Stewart turned to him and said, uh, you are about to be a father and that's the greatest thing in the world or something like that turned and and just kind of celebrated that with him instead of, you know, focusing on his own win. So uh, just a really special person was known for how he dressed and some of the kind of authentic um, older uh, golf, you know, uniforms and things. Um, So yeah, attire, I guess that's how you would say it. So, but a a lot of people may not remember, he was a member of First Baptist Church Orlando. And a lot of folks uh, said that he had had kind of undergone um, spiritual renewal in the last year, was had not been a believer for very long. So uh, not long after that, B&H published a published the authorized biography of Payne Stewart. Ken Abraham uh, worked with uh, Tracy Stewart, Payne Stewart's wife. And that's an incredible book. I can still remember reading it. Uh, Not uh, when it came out. It came out in 2001, I think. But really, really sad, uh, sad time. But a connection to uh, 
a connection to Southern Baptist because he was a member of First Baptist Orlando. So I've got the Baptist Press story uh, in there, and uh, you can look up some other things about him as well. And I'm going to give a link to uh, the B&H book, which you can still get. It's still in print, um, and I would highly recommend it. Uh, so really, really sad time um, all happened in 1999 this week in SBC history. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? Okay, so mine is something that's not terribly new, but it is uh, something I just learned about today because I think it's been around for a little while, but I think Becca Stone King put something out on social media about this and then Lizette turned around and put it on Facebook. It's called uh, Time Traveler, and it is a website of uh, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, and it allows you to select a year... It goes all the way back to like the like um, it goes it goes all the way back, you know, hundreds of years where you can look and see. Wait, I don't know if it's actually popping up. It, it goes way back several years where you can click on a year and it will tell you what were the words that happened that year, like that came into the dictionary that year for the first time. So it lists all the words that were brand new. Okay, so like the new year. words that we've had over the past years, like selfie and uh, right. bromance or things like that. Right. So you can look at like the year you were born. So it's very interesting. I was born in 1976, and there actually were a lot of new words that year. Um, killer B was a new word in the dictionary that year. Um, micromanage, new word. Uh, yeah, Ethernet. So French press was a new word in the dictionary that year. Um, and, and but it lets you go through it. One that really got me was I look. I started looking at years from when I was a a child. So I looked at 1987. Um, and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder was was for the first time in 1987. Um. And physician-assisted suicide, that was the first time that was introduced, you know, into the dictionary. So some of these things that, you know, are kind of roll off of the tongue now, words that are just parts of our vocabulary, you get to see sort of when they came into being. And the the way Lizette talked about it was she had no idea sort of the rabbit hole. It didn't, it, it once she started doing it, it was more interesting than she ever expected. Um, 1994, the year I graduated from high school, uh, spoiler alert was uh, introduced into the dictionary. Also, spyware and webcam, um, all kinds of things. So it's it's pretty fun, and you can spend a lot more time on it than you expect. Okay, so I'm I'm just had to check up mine because uh, 1980, well, year I was born, 401k was new. Yeah. Comb over. Yep. Fibromyalgia, foodie. I'm kind of surprised by foodie. That seems more recent. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, 1980s seems early. Schmoozy, self-tanner, tiki bar, um, yeah. support system, which, okay. Um, wind farm, yuppie, uh-huh. and ziplock. Now, that's pretty funny that yuppie was introduced in 1980 because that's what you think of as that the 80s were kind of the year as yeah. the, the, that was the decade of the yuppies. Mm-hmm. So there it is. It came into being in 1980. Yeah. So. Really interesting. So go look at it. Put your, yeah, put your year in uh, and put, 
not just the year you were born, but the years that you were, you know, a kid and, and high school, because um, things will pop up that you realize, oh, yeah, that's that was the time when that came into to culture. So words and language uh, and new words that are being done all the time um, can be uh, just really fascinating, can say a lot about uh, where we are oh, in our context. I missed one, Amy, like quintessential 80s word, air guitar. 1980, air guitar came into being uh, the year that you were born. Yes, I ushered in air guitar. How about that? You so, did. Okay, did. very good. Me personally, I did. All right, so my resource of the week is the Austin Stone Institute. Now, we've got an uh, interview coming with Kevin Peck, who is the lead pastor at the Austin Stone Community Church in Austin, Texas, obviously. And they have a institute for training leaders. And I had no idea how many like top-notch leaders had come out of the Austin Stone. It was I, I knew those guys crank out good people. Um, but in the interview that you'll hear in, a, in about a week or two with uh, Kevin Peck, you'll hear exactly how many they bring. And it's quite a few. I was blown away uh, at the, um, the people that they're turning out. And they have a residency program. Uh, which is called the Austin Stone Institute, and Todd Engstrom uh, runs that, I believe. And you can go and you can get theological training, community formation, skill development, support raising. It basically teaches you how to go out and either like be a church planner or uh, leading a nonprofit, or you know different type of things. Coaching, um, it's it's amazing the the training that you can get from this and their residency program. So uh, it gives you sound doctrine and theology. And opportunities uh, to really, you know, impact the city and nation and the world uh, through being a better Christian leader. So, really, really cool opportunity for you to spend two years in Austin, Texas, with them, uh, learning them. You know, kind of being having that DNA infused into you. And uh, the Austin Stone man, the, that that church is doing amazing things out there. And uh, I can't wait for everybody to hear the interview with Kevin Peck about how they've gotten more involved in the SBC and why they've done it and how they're encouraging younger pastors and leaders in the SBC to be more involved in the denomination. So uh, be sure to check that out over the next couple of weeks when we drop that. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us on this episode. Amy, have a great fall festival slash Reformation Day slash Halloween slash whatever you celebrate and however you celebrate it at your house. I'm going to uh, spend some time with the people of Wake Forest. So it should be um, a great opportunity. Hope I get to meet some new people. All right. Well, uh, remember, send your Southern Baptist costumes in to us on Twitter. And uh, the top one gets a $50 Lifeway gift card, not sponsored by Lifeway. Um so uh, we appreciate you listening each and every week. Thanks again to our sponsor, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary up in Louisville, Kentucky. Bonus points if anybody goes as Al Mohler. Um, that would be pretty awesome. It would be a pretty simple costume. A couple of these entity heads have pretty simple outfits. Al Mohler, Kevin Ezel, Danny Aiken. I remember when y'all had Danny Aiken Day, everybody came dressed as Danny Aiken. We did. We did, so yes. The The outfit is there. If uh, for the sweater vest, the sweater vest is easy. Yeah. Yeah. The Kevin E. Zell one is super easy. Right. Right. So. Yes. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us, folks. We'll see you next week. See you next week.